Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, passing shotters, and welcome to the latest episode of your tennis catch up podcast. I'm Joel. And I'm Kim. And on this week's episode of the passing shot, it's going to be our review episode. We're going to be looking back at the season that was on both the men's tour and the women's tour. Indeed we will. We'll be dishing out some of, our, some of our passing shot awards to the players we think deserve them. And just generally looking at the highs and lows of the 2018 season, the matches that grabbed our attention, the moments that shocked the world, <laughs> um, and everything else uh, that we think is uh, worthy of inclusion today. How have you been, Joel? I've been good, Kim. I've been, uh, yeah, I've been reading about the seasons that were, and I think I, I just forgot a lot of a lot of stuff has happened over the last kind of 12 months both on the court and off the court it seems to be yeah a lot I think there's a lot we can you know we could talk about and to kind of condense it into one episode I think it's gonna be uh, <laughs> it's gonna be a challenge yeah we could be here all night couldn't we discussing it I think um I mean for me there's been more like political um change hasn't there this year mm. what with the changes in the Davis Cup and then the Hotman Cup going tie breaks the, the, the tie breaks, yeah. Um, everything that Gerard Piquet is trying to do to turn tennis, <laughs> uh, for a start. It's just, there's been, yeah, a lot more kind of structural changes, shall we say, that are going to be going into place over the next mm. few years. So it'll be really interesting to see how they will pan out. Um, and then, yeah, I feel like just from a personal note, I haven't been to as much live tennis this year, um, which is a bit of a shame. But I have enjoyed watching it on the TV. But Kim, you did go you? to the you, you did go to the Rafael Nadal Open Challenger. <laughs> I mean, that was a big I highlight. The, I did go to the Mallorca Open Challenger. Yeah, I saw Bernard Tomic, <laughs> and who else did I see? Kenny De Shepper. Um, so that was the highlight of my year. No, um, we, we, we did go to the Australian yeah. Open, didn't we? And also, don't forget, year, we so. uh, we we had a late night. We had a late night together. First round, wasn't it, of the uh, Australian <laughs> Open? Malek Yaziri. Malik Jaziri versus yeah, uh, Caruso. Yes, it was. I'm surprised you remember that. Um, <laughs> bit of a journeyman. And then he pulled. Well, didn't Caruso pull like a dodgy medical timeout in like the last set, the fifth set? And Dump. then I think that just like really annoyed. Like, I got the crowd's goat, and uh, everyone was like behind Jaziri. There was something fishy going moment. on, but let's yeah, leave, let's leave fishy. it at that. Let's leave it at yeah. that. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's let's move on to let's let's. Let's go on to the kind of the meat of this episode and look at the the awards and kind of review the season as we go with each award. Um, and we'll start with we'll start with the WTA tour um, this season. Yeah. We've got a few awards we want to give out. Um, you know, I'm sure all these players are going to be very <laughs> excited um, to receive you know an an inaugural uh, passing shot award. Um, I think the first the first passing shot award we have to start with 
is player of the player of the season. Yeah, I think that is the most important. Um, I feel like we're giving out Brit Awards or something like that. Um, <laughs> obviously on the same scale. Um, for me, uh, I guess Simona Halep comes to mind immediately. Uh, it's her first slam. You know, she kind of finally broke through. She finished world number one. Um, obviously, she had the injury at the end of the year, but she obviously reached the final of the, a- of the AO. Narrowly lost that. Had some really close matches. Played amazing mm. tennis that tournament. And then, you know, won at Roland Garros. So for me, she's kind of the first player that springs to mind. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, um, you know, she's had a very good season. She's managed to, you know, she managed to break her duck in terms of winning Grand Slam titles. And I actually also think that she's had some of the best matches on tour of the year. And, and her rivalry, particularly with Sloane Stevens, has produced some very excellent tennis, I think, this season. Yeah, I would agree. I think they've had some cracking matches. I think they had a good one. Was it in the Rogers Cup in the summer? Yeah, Montreal. I think that was in Montreal. Yeah, um, it's yeah. a shame we couldn't see what she could do at the end of the the season. But obviously, she had that back injury. Um, and I think it's just really nice, you know, having lost was it three Slam finals previously. I just think it's so nice to finally see a player, you know, get that coveted Slam. Uh, but we did also see at the start of the year, obviously Wozniacki finally mm. broke the slams duck <laughs> um but she just then kind of faded away so it was nice that Simona Halep after winning that slam kind of was still there competing um she didn't obviously win another slam or, or anything but she um she still won two more titles after winning the slam yeah um, and so... I think and I think that you know I, I kind of like if you compare kind of the the women's side to the men's side I I, I think it was it's kind of different in that you know, we had four different players win um, all the f- four Grand Slams and there was kind of not one player dominated the whole season. I think there were, uh, you know, a handful of players who dominated different parts of the season. Um, and for me, kind of Halep, you know, was there, um, at, there at the start and then obviously she won um, the French Open. Um, but yeah, there were other players certainly that kind of uh, were in the mix. Um, you know, we had Kvitova, uh, Kerber, Sloane Stevens, obviously Osaka as well. So I think there was kind of, you know, a few players were, you know, having that, you know, having, enjoying a really rich run of form at different times of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Because obviously we had Kerber, you know, winning Wimbledon. I don't think anyone really saw that coming before the start of the tournament. And then she didn't really maintain that kind of form for the rest of the year. And then obviously Osaka, as you said, that was just an amazing kind of uh, run to victory in, in America. And then she just had a really great, strong end to the season. Mm. So, I mean, I think overall for me, Hallett would edge it just mm. for like the entirety and maybe the consistency uh, until she got injured at the end of the year. Yeah, I just think, yeah, I think it's obviously a shame that she couldn't compete in that end of, um, in the end of tour finals. So, uh Hopefully next season she'll come back, you know, hundred percent fit, and um, we can have a fully kind of a full set of, you know, the top eight kind of competing uh, against each other. Um, but let's let's move on to kind of next next award, next passing shot award. Yeah. <laughs> uh, break. Who we got for breakthrough of the year? Breakthrough. Mm. Well, I mean, it's a bit of a tricky one because someone like Asaka, I would say, you know, she would be potentially yeah, the breakthrough of the year having won the US Open 
but you know you could also have her up in best player of the year so um i mean for me sabalenka kind of came to mind as well mm-hmm. um she is still so young she's she's had an amazing year and um, i'm just so excited to see what she does next year um she's broken into the top 20 won her first did she win two two titles this year reached a couple of other finals and she um she's just had such a you know, a big improvement. Uh, but you could also say what Kiki Burton's or um, yeah. Wang Wang our, of China, our favourite. Yeah, Wang. <laughs> I just don't know how to say Wang Quang. Um, <laughs> Quang Wang. She had, she was so good at the, at the end of the year, wasn't she? Mm. There's so many players in the mix, really. Yeah, I think yeah. Sabalenka's had a. I think she had a particularly strong run to the end of the season as well. You know, it's crazy to think that you know we're talking about Sabalenka and Osaka and. I don't think either of them are 21 years old yet. Um, they, these are mm. players that are going to be around probably for the best part of a decade. Um, and you know, I think this season, you know, we, we've just had our eye in with these sorts of players. And the only, the, the only thing they're going to do is improve. And some of the performances I guess we're going to see next season are going to be, I think, really, really special. And I think Sabalenka will definitely be one to watch when we come to our, our preview for next season. I think mm-hmm. um, certainly she'll be a player that a lot of a lot of eyes will be on um, with a bit more, I think, expectation now. Now that she's kind of come to the come to the scene. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, she's really exciting to watch. So I mean, we'll, we'll cover that more in our our preview for twenty nineteen. <laughs> but she would probably get my my pick I would say for like breakthrough of the year along I would say with Osaka I mean I don't know if we can give out a joint award but um <laughs> I just think Osaka going out to number four in the world she's just you know actually winning a slam obviously the scale of her achievement was greater than uh, yeah. Sabalenka but yeah who would I, you give it to John <laughs> I I mean I I think I mean I actually think I'd give it to Osaka just because yeah that moment I think that's the you know, Sabalenka may have been uh, more consistent on the tour, but in terms of like one moment to go to the US Open, go to Flushing Meadow, win it, beat Serena Williams in the final, that puts you on the map. That makes you a star. And, yeah. you know, for me, that is, you know, that is very exciting. It's great for Japanese tennis, particularly with the Olympics. Um yeah, I thought it was kind of great. And I think in that US Open, wasn't it, weren't we talking about, was it the fourth round was between Osaka and Sabalenka? Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and more... it was a very close match, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it more... a last set tiebreak? Yeah, and I always kind of always think, the, the more I think about that <laughs> match, the more significance I put on it, because I, I just wonder if if it had gone the other way, for example, with Sabalenka, could you know, could we have just been having this conversation right now and just being, and and you know, be possibly being t- talking about Sabalenka as that US Open champion. Well, exactly. So who knows? All these ifs and buts. I think they are just going to, yeah, I think I'm really excited, maybe even more for women's tennis next year than men's tennis, just because we have got these names that have really come to the fore this year. And especially I think the la- the, N- um, the WTA finals as well. They had some really good matches in that. You know, Svitolina came and mm-hmm. dominated that tournament, I guess you could say. And um, if everyone can kind of be injury free and playing well at the same time, I think there's some really strong, you know, strong competition out there. 
so it's a nice change away from like you know serena dominating um you know just to have different winners and kind of a bit more of the unknown in there as well yeah um and, and moving on to moving on to our next award uh we have uh comeback of the year now you just we just spoke about serena williams would you have serena williams as comeback of the year um well yeah i guess so she would be the obvious person um it's kind of hard not to give it to her i suppose as she reached what two grand slam finals finals? yeah yeah and i mean you know after having you know a baby she's i don't know was she 36 37 um and i know she kind of picks and chooses her schedule um which is obviously better for the body as you're getting older you know she's a bit more relaxed i think you know not everyone would have been able to do that and come back and you know almost win two slams so i would have to give it to her what about I'm 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 gonna have to disagree with you, Kim. Nope. I I think Angelique Kerber um, okay. has kind of credentials to put her her hat in the ring for uh, comeback player of the year. Mm. You know, this was a player who'd fallen out of the top twenty at the end of uh, the season before, and you know, I think in that Wimbledon final when you know she won, she obviously won. I think a lot of people were expecting Serena almost just to kind of steamroll. Uh, Kerber in the final and win, you know, win her next Grand Slam, and it was going to be a great, you know, story uh, coming back from, you know, uh, you know, having just given uh, child uh, childbirth. But um, yeah, I thought Kerber had a, a great, um, she had a great Wimbledon, and um, yeah, I thought for me, yeah, she's had a, she's come back very well from a, a difficult um, season before. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, she did quite well. At the Australian, did she reach semi-finals? Because I think she just lost to Wozniak, didn't she, in the mm. semis of Australia, and then obviously to win Wimbledon. So yeah, no, I think she would be right up there as well. Um, they both had amazing kind of seasons compared to where they were, you know, the years previous, uh, for whatever reasons. Um, but just going on from that, um, what was your match of the year for this year? Because I remember just talking about the Kerber Halep, uh, Kerber Wozniak semi at Australia. For me, the Australian Open Women's Tournament was one of the best <laughs> Grand Slams that I've kind of remember on the mm-hmm. women's side for a long time. Yeah, wasn't I can't remember who it was. Who had that crazy match against Lauren Davis? Yeah, it was, was Simona Hallett. Was that Simona Hallett? <laughs> yes, it was fifteen thirteen <laughs> in the in the last set. And I for me that would probably be my match of the year, just because it was so I don't know, it was so epic. The tennis was good. And it just kind of kept going on and on. And it was just sort of like I was glued to the TV. Because um, I really like Lauren Davis. I've seen her play, like, in the UK quite a bit. And she's, like, such a fighter. Mm-hmm. And like, I think the last time they had played, it was, like, a whitewash. So it was just, uh, for me, that was just, like, the match of the year. It might not have been the most, you know, it was a third-round Grand Slam match. But, you know, it wasn't big final. But that's what I would personally pick. Um, yeah, I thought... Yeah, I, I remember kind of being in the stadium when that match was going on. I was kind of glued to my. Oh, were you there? Um, no, I was. I sorry, I was in the state. I was in the arena. Oh, the but, the ground. Um, yeah, okay. I was kind of checking in live scores for that match because yeah. it was just yeah. such a, it was just such a crazy match, and you would not have expected Lauren Davis to kind of no. take Simona Halep. I mean, I loved Lauren Davis, but you know, she's not. She's not going to be a. Well, I don't think she's going <laughs> to. 
you know, famous she... last words. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's going to win Australia <laughs> next year. But um, yeah, I think for me, my one of my favourite match matches of the year, kind of alluding to it earlier, was Simona Hallett versus Sloane Stephens um, in the Rogers Cup in Toronto. Hallett won seven six three six six four, and it was just kind of a roller coaster match that ebbed and flowed. Um, both players had momentum um, at different points, and it could have gone either way but it was just kind of one of those matches where both players were playing really great tennis at the same time it was a really kind of captivating match that the fans were just kind of cheering all the way through yeah it was a really high high quality match and uh i think Halep and stevens separately and together produced some really great tennis this year um i also just thought the ao final was pretty good obviously wasniaki won her first slam but i just Mm -hmm. thought that was a that was a close match, wasn't it? And I mean, the Roland Garros final was maybe not the greatest match, but it was. Was that the one Stevens went a set and a break up, and it looked like she was gonna yeah kind of run not run away with it, but you just thought, yeah, come on, Halep, and then she managed to turn it around. So. Yeah, I think in that that final, Halep. Um, I mean, think, I think Simona came out all guns blazing, and and yeah, she really gave Halep some some problems to think about but I think it just showed Hallett it has a kind of an answer she's got a backup plan to kind of challenges that um that that can face her but yeah credit to Sloane Stevens. she went into that French Open final and just was firing off winners uh winners from the baseline and and yeah Hallett mm. had to adapt to that situation um and, yeah. and not kind of not easy to do when you're kind of you know, in your French Open final, and you're kind of thinking, <laughs> yeah. "Oh, is it gonna? You know, is it gonna happen again? Am I am I gonna lose?" But um, it kind of Another showed you her, loss. you know, her grit and determination to to become French Open champion. Yeah. So yeah, we've had some really good matches this year. Um, I know we've talked only about singles so far, but just a note on the doubles, uh, women's doubles. We don't really tend to discuss an awful lot on here. Um, but I, for me, the team of I can't say the Czech names. I apologise, any Czech <laughs> listeners. I do like the Czech language, but I don't know how to say this. So, Krejčíková and Siniakova, um to win two slams. So, for me, they would kind of get it by default for having won two slams. Um, <laughs> but they also, um, you could have said, I don't know, I've, one of the names that came to mind was Babos Mladenovic. They won the season-ending uh, WTA finals. Um, so also had a very good season together. What's your uh, opinion on women's doubles, Joel? Did you follow um, much of it this year? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm Kim. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that section. I'm going to leave that section with you. But if we kind of just touch, I know we just spoke about Czech tennis, and um, mm. we can talk about the Fed Cup final as well because they yes. they beat uh, beat the USA for their eleventh Fed Cup title. Um, yeah, I think it was the sixth title in eight years. They've been very dominant. Very dominant. But I mean, the US kind of Team did tennis. help them with the amount of dropouts uh, they yes. had in, yeah. the, in the build-up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but uh, Czech, well, Czech women's tennis is doing, you know, doing very well at the moment. And it seems like quite a few countries have, you know, not just one, but, you know, a, you know, a handful of kind of mm. players... Um, that they can pull on in terms of you know the depth of their you know the depth of their country yeah the depth of Czech tennis is probably the best I would say amongst like the nations Mm. but for women's tennis I just think they produce so many players it's just like a machine um 
although actually none of them have you know won a slam who was the last Czech player to win a slam I can't I suppose it was Kvitova wasn't Kvi- it I would have I would have thought Kvitova yeah. um, would you have spe- expected Kvitova. more Kvitova this season maybe I mean she's won she actually has won them if you look at all of the premier and mandatory events like the, the most sort of I don't know, senior, higher-ranking event. She's actually won three, which is the most. So she's kind of been there and thereabouts, but just not doing that the majors. Mm. Um, and everyone has a fairly good season, but just not, you know, the heights of is it the season before where she reached number one, reached the slam final. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see again how, how those two do next year. Okay, Joel, so let's uh, move on to the next award. Well, I'm not really sure if it's an award per se. Um, I wanted to discuss the most controversial moment of women's tennis in 2018. Uh, I kind of feel like I know what you're going to say for this, as it was a pretty big scandal at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, I I knew it was a big moment because when I played hockey on the following Saturday, I had so many people come up up to me (laughs) who are non-tennis people and asked me about uh, yeah Serena Williams and her U.S. Open final, uh, shall we say? Uh, I mean meltdown. Could we could we say meltdown? Meltdown. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah, it was memorable uh, for the season. I think she just totally kind of lost it. I mean, I don't know whether she was actually getting on court coaching or not, but regardless, she just reacted with very little. Respect for the umpire, I thought, and it's kind of it's tainted. Okay, so let's move on to the next award, which, well, I'm not sure if it's an award per se, but I wanted to discuss the most controversial moment of women's tennis in 2018, which I kind of feel like I know what you're going to say, Joel. Uh, yeah, um, I think, I mean, for me, I knew it was going to be, I knew this was a big moment because I had uh, I had hockey the following Saturday and the number of people who I would class as non-tennis people came up to me and wanted to talk to me about Serena Williams um, in the US Open final. Um, yeah, I was a very busy person that Saturday. Made you popular. <laughs> Um, for once in my life, yes. For once in your life, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely gets everyone talking, doesn't it? They all want your opinion because they know you're a tennis person. Um, yeah, I just feel like Serena's behaviour was out of line, a bit disrespectful. And in hindsight, I'm sure she would have gone back and not reacted the way she did. And it was such a shame for Osaka, you know, with the crowd and their reaction as well. Yeah, especially because it was obviously Osaka's maiden... Um, you know, made in Grand Slam. That's you know, that's a memory you're always going to remember, and unfortunately, I think it's a mo- memory you're going to remember for the the wrong reasons. Uh, the focus, you know, almost off the court than you know the performance on it. Exactly, it should be about the tennis, shouldn't it? Not these sorts of events mm. in, in tennis. So, I mean, that one gets our vote for contra- controversy of the year. I can't really think of anything else that's scandalous, which is good, I guess. I I can think of one other, I can think of one other moment that springs to mind. Oh, yeah. Um, Because I remember there was a lot of, um, again, I think, again, it was at the US Open. Do you remember in the first week, which player was it who had to change on court uh, and received a a violation? I forget. No, wasn't that at Wimbledon? Was it Elise Cornet? 
Or was that at the US? Or I thought it was at the U- I thought it was at the US. It was Cornet, Maybe, wasn't it? No, yeah, no, it was at the US. I was just thinking of Wimbledon and like clothing and how strict they are. Um, yes, and then they was the USTA. I think then issued an apology, didn't they? Yeah, that was kind to of her. yeah, that was kind of common sense actually showing itself in tennis. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, certainly the Serena Williams moment was a big kind of talking point, and you know it did stimulate kind of a lot of chat in the tennis community, but outside the tennis community as well. And it just kind of shows you the, you know, the influence that, you know, that Serena Williams, Serena Williams has. And, you know, yeah. it caused kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it has kind of far reaching, you know, it's it has reach- wider implications. <laughs> exactly. Because she just transcends tennis and, you know, you can kind of bring into the role of women in sport and behaviour and a lot you know the sexism kind of argument comes into it and, mm. but that's kind of another I mean we discuss this at length in our US Open podcast so if anyone wants to listen to our our views on that <laughs> just go back and have a listen but I think that kind of brings us to a close with our women's uh summary one thing I would just like to mention is I don't think we discussed it on the last podcast but um like Radvanska has retired from the tour so she's obviously like a big name, mm. a very popular player. One of the it always seem to win the fan favorite award. So she will be missed on the tour, and I'm sort of it's a shame she never managed to, to win a slam with her uh, career. You know, she came close, didn't she? She was always kind of up there, but never quite. Yeah, I think she. she got to the Wimbledon final in 2012, yeah. 2012 and lost to Serena. Yeah, I think it was in three sets. So. That's kind of, I guess, her highlight. But yeah, so she she's off. Um, off she goes. I think also she opened randomly. She opened a Radvanska themed hotel in her hometown of Krakow, which is maybe the most bizarre Ooh. moment of the year. Um, Are you, I Kim, I sense a passing shot trip to <laughs> any excuse for a holiday. Yeah, to Poland. Let's go. Yep. Okay, um... I'll I'll be up for that. Be nice and uh, I like. I've been to Krakow. It's a nice city. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll go to hotel. the Rafa Nadal backed restaurant in central London. Oh yeah, just need to win um, the lottery. Yeah, exactly. And then we can yeah. we can finish the trip at Andy Murray's <laughs> hotel in Scotland as well. Yeah, I forgot he had a hotel. Okay, so that's obviously a thing that players are now branching out in hotels. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, should we talk about men? No. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's go for yeah. it. Great stuff. So. Best male player of 2018, Joel. Mm. Who are you putting up for that? I think, I mean, for me, there's really only one candidate. And I, I know you're a big Nadal fan, Kim. <laughs> and I'm going to have to break the news to you. It's not Rafael Nadal. Oh. For me... I'm cry. <laughs> I think you will do. I think you will do because of the name I'm going to say. Um, oh. I think it has to be Novak Djokovic. Yeah. You know, uh, two Grand Slams, Wimbledon, US Open, completed the uh, golden uh, golden career Masters. So he's won oh, yeah. all the Masters events now. I think he completed the set with uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati um, won Shanghai as well. He's just had an outstanding second half to the season. And yeah, since Wimbledon, it's you know every every it's been a very very strong performance it's it's been like seeing the Djokovic of old yeah I would agree I think 
think it would be very difficult to not say Djokovic with his run of form. Well, I guess it kind of kicks off the grass for the Queen's final and they're like totally dominant. So, very. He, I mean, he was 20 world, wasn't he? And then now has finished the season as number one. Mm-hmm. So, I honestly, I can totally see him winning Australia next year and maybe the French. Hopefully not, as I'm a Rafa fan. But, <laughs> um, you know, he could do the, you know, he could hold all four uh, uh, slams again at the same time. Well, I was reading, uh, I was reading earlier some interesting rumours on the tw- on tennis Twitter that uh, Federer potentially might be looking to play the clay, the clay court season oh. uh, next next season. Now, I don't know if that's going to be true or not, but he's planning his schedule at the moment. And uh, yeah, there's some chat that he might uh, be playing the, the clay court season. But um, I certainly see Djokovic as the favourite for the Australian Open. Mm. Um, I mean, he's won that, what, seven times? Yeah. Six times, seven times. Seven, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Federer, you know, throws his banner at the works, turns up on clay uh, for the first time in, what, a few years. Um, but yeah, Rafa's had a pretty good year as well, uh, winning Roland Garros. I mean, that was mm-hmm. kind of maybe my personal fan highlight of the season. <laughs> but, you know, I'm a big Rafa fan. Uh, so yeah, I think Djokovic kind of wins our best male award. So well done, Novak. Mm-hmm. Um, how about best male like breakthrough player of the year? Oh, breakthrough player of the year. So I think it's going to have to be a guy I watched. I watched at the Australian Open, and you know, at the start of the season, I think this match, these two players, you would have both said, you know, one of these is going to be most improved player of the year and it turned out to be the other one uh, and I'm of course talking about um, Stefanos Sissipas versus Denis Shapovalov which I think was in like the second or third round of the Australian Open at the beginning of the year now yeah. if you'd asked me before that match who I would thought was going to be most likely to kind of break through um, and have um, and really make a name for himself this season out of those two I would have said Shapovalov but what has happened uh, you know, we know the predictions of the the passing shot. Normally, the opposite happens, and um, yeah, Sissipas has kind of had a an absolutely fantastic season, given that he's only just twenty years old. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, we normally are horrendous with predictions. <laughs> um, so he, yeah, he he has truly broken through this year, and I think he's just he's really exciting, isn't he? Because he's just got. He's so marketable as well, like his whole mm. image. He really reminds me of Bjorn Borg. Um, it's the headband, isn't it? the whole it? long hair thing. Yeah, the headband. So I can totally just see him being pretty big in the next few years. Um, but I mean, there's so many players actually that you could say. I mean, you could even argue that Zverev has kind of broken through like a bit more because he won, you know, World Tour Masters finals. event. He won the World Tour Finals. So it's like he's finally won some bigger tournaments, although... Yeah yet to prove it in the slams and then for me I also had um Alex de Menor in there which I mean he hasn't won anything big um but his in terms of ranking he's gone up from like 200 in the world to what, 31 I think he's ended the season at um so that's another name I mean he's kind of maybe maybe he might win break through he might kind of carry that on and then you could even say like Borna Koric uh Karen Kachanov 
there's been a whole host of kind of young players that are finally kind of making their marks. So I think if they can just build on that, then it, they could do some damage to the top four um, next year. Certainly, I think there. I you know there's a handful of players who are kind of well set, you know, for the next season. Uh, Kachinov, Chorich, uh, Sisipas, Shapovalov. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what sort of mark they can make um, on next season. Now, I don't think any of them, uh, famous last words here, I don't think any of them are Grand Slam contenders just yet, but I yeah. certainly think they're capable of pulling off kind of the big shocks and not just in kind of best of three set format, but also in best of five set format. Um, I think you you only have to look at, uh, you know, Chung um, in the Australian Open, beat oh. Beat Novak yeah. Djokovic. Yeah, it's a shame he didn't seem to do much of note like after that. I don't know if he got injured or. Well, he he made sure to post tournament. that photo of his blisters, of his blister <laughs> yeah. on his Instagram. Um, oh. I think he had to retire. Did he retire, or it was very one-sided against? I think it was against Federer next round. But um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, he... also. Oh, what were you going to say? <laughs> oh, were you just about to say Carl <laughs> Edmund? Yeah, were you going to say that? <laughs> yeah, I was actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, great minds think alike. Um, yeah, we should mention Kyle, shouldn't we? Um, I mean, he's won his first title. He reached the semi-finals for Grand Slam, and he's what was his highest ranking? Fourteen in the end. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, he yeah. got to his highest ranking of um, yeah fourteen in the world, and yeah, it was just kind of great to see. Great to see him kind of really yeah step up this season, particularly at a time obviously where. Andy Murray has been around, but not as much as you know people would have liked. But there's been someone there to, you know, fill his fill his void um, and kind of you know fill it to a point where you know he's he's a very competitive guy that you know you kind of look at him and you expect him to get to the the second week of Grand of Grand Slams now. Yeah, it's the expectation is there now, isn't it? So the disappointment maybe there as well next year mm. if he doesn't you know kind of but yeah the we know he's now capable of doing yeah and like going back to kind of that Australian Open run it was kind of great to be a part of it and mm. you know that that you know the more and more I think about it that first round match when he beat Kevin Anderson in five yeah. sets that really was kind of like the that was for that me, your that, highlight of the year well that was one of the moments when it's kind of like yeah. You know, boy, almost like boy to boy to man, kind of. You know, <laughs> we're in the big leagues now, kid. Kind of. He came of age. Yeah, yeah he came like... of age. You know, and he's got <laughs> all just... the he's got all the sponsorships now with Jaguar yeah. and British Airways, and yeah. you know, he's really kind of yeah. making a, an identity for himself um, to resonate, kind of with the with the British public. The similar similar to something that you know and, Andy has done. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think being there at the Australian Open and watching that match and it was just kind of a total surprise I'd kind of not written him off but I just thought oh Kevin Anderson first round you know god um but I was so pleased when he won that that was one of my personal highlights of the year and also just to mention actually Kevin Anderson we should really talk a bit about him because he's had also arguably a breakthrough season I guess kind of following on from the end of the season before but um what he did at Wimbledon against Federer I mean Going on to maybe we should talk about match of the year. Mm. That potentially is my match of the year. Him coming back from two sets down to beat Federer at Wimbledon. 
Oh, see, I would. What do you think? I mean, if we're <laughs> if we're going to be choosing match of the year, mm. oh, I think there's a better match than that, Kim, at Wimbledon. Yeah. And I know you don't want to say the it. Semi- I know. I know you I don't know. want to say it. <laughs> no, I had written it down as well. The semi final <laughs> between Novak and Rafa. Two... I think for quality, that was obviously better. Oh, a two, like that was a two day epic. Yeah. And. <laughs> It was just, I was just high quality from the first point. And that, you know, that was seriously, seriously good tennis. And it created, again, it created so much controversy because it spilled over to the second day, the roof, but also the the ladies final as well. It pushed the, um, what did it do? It pushed, the ladies final was meant to start at 2pm, but it pushed, it, it, um, it pushed that back. Um, it wasn't ideal for anyone, but they had to make do with it. And yeah, the roof as well. They had some nonsensical uh, <laughs> rule in place that I was: know. if you start the match under the roof, it has to be played under the roof. Well, unless both players agree that it can be open, but obviously, yeah. I guess maybe that was going to go for the roof. Um, yeah, that. I mean, Wimbledon had some great matches. You could even argue that Isner Anderson match. It wasn't great in the sense of like amazing tennis, but it was just epic mm-hmm. for the length of the match, I suppose. Um, and I guess that has now obviously brought about the, the tiebreak rule that Wimbledon have, are going to do from next year. So at twelve all in the fifth, they're now going to yep. play a tiebreak. So there's been some kind of law changing matches. I don't know how to. How else to put it? Mm. Um, from this season, I think. I'm just trying to think of other epic matches. I, I mean, mean yeah. Well, <laughs> I have one. I have one other kind of epic match um, that kind of goes on uh, back to kind of linking to British performances. I know we've just kind of spoken about Kyle Edmund, but for me, the well, Australian Open in terms of tournaments, yes, Kyle Edmund. Uh, Australian Open semi-final best tournament performance but best single match performance I would probably probably go with Cameron Norrie away in the Davis Cup in Spain on a clay court against uh, Ramos Vinolas Um, (laughs) and two sets down and coming back to win in five that is unbelievable yeah that was pretty good Pretty damn good, from Cam. I mean, again, Norrie is kind of one of these players that he has almost kind of flown a little bit under the radar of of um, Carl Edmund is kind of now kind of steady on the ATP circuit. You know, he gets into kind of you know two fifty, you know two fifty draws, qualifying for five hundreds, um, and yeah, he's been an excellent kind of addition to. Yeah, the GB Davis Cup team and that performance in Spain just kind of really, you know, I think, I mean, to me, that sent shockwaves around British tennis because I don't think anyone was expecting us to go to Spain without Andy Murray and even, you know, get one rubber. So for him to kind of do that, that was, I think, pretty incredible. Yeah, and often Davis Cup can be like the springboard for, you know, success in um, the rest of the the tour for the season. So hopefully, Cam will have some some more kind of inspiring matches mm-hmm. and build on that. Because yeah, it's great to have more players up at the top <laughs> for British tennis. So come on, Cam. <laughs> um, but I think should we talk about? Let's do doubles quickly. Yeah. Um, because I think for me, there's two 
I quite like a bit of men's doubles, as you know. Yeah. For me, there's kind of two obvious teams that I would say should be up there. So Jack Sock, I know he had a terrible singles season, but with Mike Bryan, he's won two slams and the World Tour Finals. So I think you could say that they are team of the year. Uh, but you could also say Oliver Marek and Matej Kavic, who are actually number one and have won five titles. I think both of them teams have been very dominant this year and get my vote. The doubles team of the year. If, I mean, I would give it to Stock and Brian just to edge it. Um, it almost makes me think when Bob Bryan comes back, will there be a place for him? Will he have to find a new partner? Who is that? New, who would that new partner be? Or will he focus on singles again? Or will he focus on singles again? (laughs) He could have a sudden like run to 30 in singles. I don't know if they ever really are in singles because I think they used to play against each other. I think it was like their mum or something said, I don't want you competing against each other. Can you play doubles? Because they didn't want to like, you know, potentially have to face each other. Um, So I think they've been kind of doubles pairing from pretty much the start. I don't know if I'm actually correct. That's what I heard. Um, but yeah, it would be interesting because it's obviously like Brian, Brian. But I actually think they're more interesting when they play with other people. Yeah. I find maybe they're just obviously they're twins. They're too similar. So I don't find them as like entertaining to watch. So I think when they're playing with other partners, for me, that's maybe a more enticing, you know, match. Yeah, def- definitely. We'll we'll well we'll wait we'll we'll see what happens but i think mm. i think for me i think yeah jack sock should focus more on his singles <laughs> on his singles excerpts because yeah. another one of the kind of stories of the season um has been his his downward spiral from mm. um you know what was it his peak was what the end Eight of in the world yeah it was he was certainly Eight. top 10 um yeah. And now he's outside the top 100. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> how the mighty have fallen. I know. I mean, if he can't even get into slams, then he'll, you know, he's got no option but just to focus on the doubles at the slams, I suppose. So we'll see if he can claw his way back. He's certainly got the talent, so he just needs to readdress, focus on it. Mm. But that's my, my little double section <laughs> uh, over and done with. Um, so I think we just let's let's talk about controversy in the mail tour. Mm-hmm. I mean, what kind of moments spring to mind on the men's circuit this season? Well, I can think of one which was a bit controversial. I keep just thinking back to the the whole tiebreak thing because uh, because that was such an issue that was such an issue and it had an effect on obviously on the men's final. Um, and also, you know, Wimbledon have made their own changes to the tiebreak. And it's since then, the Australian Open have come in with their own rules for the tiebreak. And we're now in this situation who I don't think anyone would have predicted kind of at the start of last season where, you know, we're going to go into the 20, 2019 season and each Grand Slam is going to have their own different rules for the fifth set tiebreak. And uh, I know, I know we're going to be talk. I know we're going to be talking about this probably more come Grand Slam season, uh, you know, in January. But uh, yeah, I think that is in terms of kind of like the rules and the history of the game. I think 
the you know looking back to that um, you know that epic match between Anderson Isner semi final. You know, it, what was it? It was twenty. It was. It went on for twenty six, twenty four. Was it? Yeah. I think. And I think we'll be looking, we're looking back at that and thinking, yeah, now is now's the time to kind of get these rules in. But I do, well, I think I would have liked to see some sort of uh, universal application across all four Grand Slam, so that they also, can agree on one yeah, sort I of yeah. one sort of final end. It should be uniform across the slabs, but I'm just thinking back to when it was 70-68 in 2011, and I mean, I'm sure it was raised then, but I think if there would have been a match that made them change their rules, it might have been that one, because mm. that match lasted like three days, and obviously went on for 11 hours, but I guess it just didn't have the impact you know, on the final of arguably the greatest tournament in the world, um, so it wasn't deemed as like controversial maybe but yeah it's it's an interesting point actually I, I think also kind of i think audiences have changed since then and yeah because yeah, I, I remember john McEnroe was an is has been an advocate for you know a fifth set fifth a fifth set tie break uh, he was banging on the drum for a fifth set tie break after that um isna mahu um epic but uh yeah, I just think now is yeah the right time, and it should be uniform. But hey ho, let's let's see let's yeah, see how no, it I, goes. I agree. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe <laughs> this time next year they'll all change their rules again. Um, for me, my my little like controversial moment was when Mohamed Lawani decided to venture into coaching at the US Open. Oh yeah, and decided to give Nick Kyrgios a little pep talk, which was totally not in the rule book, and I think he got off kind of quite lightly with his punishment. But I mean, it helped Kyrgios. He won the match, didn't he, against poor old Hughes Herbert? But, yeah, I don't um, think he yeah, was that particularly happy. That was just my happy. little scandalous moment of the year. Which I mean, I don't know. It's kind of funny, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, Kyrgios—that's another player that's just not done very well this year. No, Especially not fulfilling his potential. But there we go. That's yeah. another story. I just wonder. I, I mean, yeah, I just wonder whether you know Demonor kind of rising up the rankings. You know, is that going to have an impact on him? Whether you know people, he's going to be like, it's going to create some sort of internal competition that's going to make him rise to the occasion. Does he need a? Does he need a coach? You know, he knows he must know what what works best for him. But yeah, he's got to start. Kind of, I mean, I feel like we say this every every season, but yeah, yeah I know we shouldn't talk about him. Really. <laughs> but yeah, he's he needs to figure out the way to kind of tap into his. His, ta- his talent in a way that's kind of obviously get him to a level that, you know, he should be competing at. And, you know, we've seen that Alex Verev hiring, uh, Alex Verev hiring um, Ivan Lendl, Lendl uh, yeah. towards the end of this season to help him kind of unlock the, you know, the gla- the Grand Slam question, getting him into the second week um, of Grand Slams and, and going deeper because that's, that's an obvious, you know, fault for him. And, you know, I think Kyrgios needs some sort of, you know, voice that he can listen to. Um, that's again going to be able to unlock, unlock his, you know, undoubted potential. Absolutely, yeah. Needs some reason in his life. But uh, yeah, did you have any <laughs> other moments that of interest that you want to discuss? I think that's kind of pretty much 
it like in terms of I mean you could delve so deep but we kind of don't want to send listeners to sleep yeah do we? So. I think yeah no I think that I think that it's mostly covers it uh I think I've just off the top of my head one other controversial moment that was slightly kind of I think dealt heavy-handedly was when Andy Murray played played in DC I think he won uh I can't remember who he beat but he won a match past 3 a.m in the morning and I think he was scheduled on for like 11 a.m. the next day or something ridiculous and uh, <laughs> totally ridiculous. And the organizer came out and uh, for the tournament and didn't give him a lot of support. And uh, I saw in, on his Instagram, I don't think Murray's going to be going back to Washington no. any, anytime soon. I think he might just bypass that one. Yeah, and we'll be talking, I guess, more about Andy Murray in our preview season, uh, preview episode. Uh, will we not before the start of? shenanigans next year mm. yeah. yeah we'll be we'll be um yeah we'll be looking at uh the next season once that comes around but uh yeah for now um this is our 15th episode of the first season of the passing shot you know we've been we've been slaving away giving our kind of our thoughts on the tennis world every kind of couple of weeks and uh, we really hope you kind of have listened and enjoyed um, our commentary and Kim did you have any, any other words no just um, we'll be back after Christmas I guess so Merry Christmas everyone <laughs> and um, enjoy the festive season and I think we all deserve a break don't we so uh, yeah I think that's it from me cool. actually I should say the tennis season begins before 2019 doesn't it because they just have- about yeah, like the exhibitions in like Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. They doing that one again, and that's like just before the year, so. final Hotman Cup, I think, or is that in January? The final Hotman Cup, yeah. So that will begin, yeah. I think just before New Year. I think Brisbane normally starts like yeah. I don't know, two days before. But but don't worry, Kim. The passing shot will be back. We will to, be there. <laughs> we will. We might not be there, but we'll be talking about these events uh, coming up uh, as yeah. part of our as part of the new season. Um, we'll be your tennis catch-up podcast which <laughs> yes. is what we are so um, thank you for listening and please remember to subscribe share give us a five stars review <laughs> please <laughs> um and yeah uh, that's I, i've been kim <laughs> and i'm joel and you've been joel <laughs> and i think that's it from us yeah thank you and goodbye okay bye <laughs>